Thanks for listening to the Replatform Podcast, sponsored by Crown Peak and Elastic Path and hosted by me, James Gerdon. Rogers, uh, thanks for joining if it's your first episode. We hope you enjoy it. We put a, a lot of time and effort into bringing you really cool guests, lots of interesting content. It's all completely free of charge. Please help us keep it that way. Tell other people about the podcast, spread the word, share our posts on LinkedIn and Twitter. And the best thing you can do to help is give us a rate on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or where else you listen or watch. Um, so thanks. We hope you enjoy this episode. Let me set up and then I'll introduce our guests. We're talking about third-party e-commerce marketplace integrations and data management with eChameleon. We're going to cover common challenges for retailers selling on third-party marketplaces, handling data setups and imports, and data feeds and order management, among other things. So a warm welcome to Jesse Rack. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for the great intro, James. It's, uh, I'm doing really well, and it's really nice to be on this side of the table. Yeah. Yeah, we recently, I came on your podcast recently, so we're doing tit-for-tat podcasting, which is great. So, yeah, appreciate it. And this is, I mean, this is a really important topic as well because marketplace commerce has really grown over the last few years. More retailers are looking at, at launching their own marketplaces. People are exploiting a wider base of marketplaces for their third-party selling rather than just like Amazon. So I think this is really getting you guys obviously well-placed to give some expertise in there. So before we start asking the questions... Do you want to give people a bit of your background? I know that, that you're from the UK, but you wind up working in Germany. Um, you're at eChameleon. So do you want to do what you do, how you've got there, and then also give us that elevator pitch on what eChameleon is? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I'll preface it by saying I'm the sales marketing front at eChameleon, but my business partner, Edward, he's the brains behind the operation. He actually founded an agency back in 2007 where the original purpose was helping specifically channel advisor users to expand internationally via marketplaces. And over the years, this agency kind of grew to bring in other tools, other technologies. We worked with pretty much every major channel management tool that is out there and we would help sellers primarily from the UK and the US to expand into Germany, France, Italy, Spain, originally via eBay, but then Amazon came into the, came into play. And as more and more marketplaces became available at this agency, we would basically try and help our sellers to succeed on those marketplaces using the existing technology that they had. And what we now sell as eChameleon started out as a series of internal tools at that agency that were designed to plug some of the gaps that were missing in existing channel management tools, specifically with regards to dealing with large sets of product data. You know, we had sellers with sometimes millions of SKUs. Um, more commonly, it was within sort of the 1,000 to 100,000 SKU range, uh, but across every category in multiple languages. And obviously, if you're selling on just your own website, you have a lot of control over how a listing is allowed to look. How long can a title be? Do you want to call this t-shirt, you know, dark blue or royal blue or navy blue? But as soon as you start selling on external channels, you have to give up some semblance of that control. And the marketplaces tend to have their own requirements as to how that data has to look, what they want to receive. And so we had to build some internal tools at this agency, which my, my business partner, whose PhD is in uh, some some form of mathematics and, and data science. I, even I don't I don't understand it completely, but he's a genius with what uh, with with regards to product data and marketplaces. Now, um, he oversaw the creation of tools designed to complement the channel management tools 
which would solve that problem. And and that is what we now sell as external tools uh, via eChameleon. And and since then, we've we've also gone into that channel management space, started building the APIs to be able to transfer the data which was created to the marketplaces and, and also to collect order information from the marketplaces to pass it on to ERP systems or order management systems or wherever it needs to go. So that's kind of the, the really long story short, but... Um, and I guess uh, you also asked who I am. My role there is that I'm one of the one of the two founders. Um, as I said, I take care of more of the sales, marketing, um, customer slash external facing stuff. Whereas my business partner deals with making sure we've got a good product that's that's working and, and operational. Great. Um, and I'll ask first question. So I guess what are the biggest and most common issues you're seeing for brands and businesses? that are you know, selling direct, but then also selling on marketplaces? And, and how are you addressing them with your platform? I guess the first, the, probably the biggest issue is the the amount of choice that a e-commerce business has if they open the door to the idea of selling on third-party marketplaces. It's very easy to say, yeah, we'll add Amazon, um, especially if you're a reseller and your products are already being, you know, the products that you're selling are already being sold by a competitor on Amazon. It's very, very easy to add your listings to theirs and, and simply wait until you get the buy box or fight for the fight for the uh, cheapest price to be able to sell the products on Amazon as well. But really, as you, as you mentioned, the marketplace space has changed a lot in, in the last few years. Obviously, it was bolstered a lot by the e-commerce boom through COVID. But even before that, there were more and more marketplaces opening up. You know, nowadays you've got in the UK, you've got Debenhams, Decathlon, B&Q, uh, the, the Superdrug. There's no end of well-known businesses which are becoming marketplaces. A lot of these are actually more dropshipping models than marketplaces. And it's kind of a strange distinction, but there is one in terms of who's the actual legal seller of record. Um, but Effectively, a lot of businesses have realized that by becoming a marketplace, it's a good way to add products to your site where you're already getting a lot of traffic without having to take any kind of inventory risk and without having to buy a bunch of products that you don't know if you're going to be able to sell or you don't know if it's going to quite match with your buyer. You can just say, hey, you know what, seller, random company X, connect to our website. You can put your products on here and we'll see if it sells and if it sells well then they'll probably just do what Amazon does and, and create their own version and start selling them anyway. That's, I guess, the risk. Great. Yeah, I think um, we've definitely seen that trend a lot recently. I think um, partly driven by uh, increased cost of acquisition and people looking for like more channels and like to diversify. Um, partly, um, I guess, just to because there's so many new kind of more niche marketplaces popping up. Um, and so many people are, like you say, doing drop shipping. So I think a lot of people are uh, kind of jumping on that bandwagon at the moment. Um, so your product integrates with e-com platforms like Shopify, BigCommerce, Salesforce, Adobe. Um, how are you managing that integration? Do you have kind of uh, connectors or apps um, or are you kind of typically going more down the bespoke route and kind of building out API connections per customer? So what we typically say is that e-chameleon the whole thing with the chameleon is flexibility adaptation we typically say that e-chameleon is a custom solution that is available off the shelf so there's a for a lot of sellers a very standard channel management solution will be enough plug in press go 
it's easy if you're on if you're selling fashion or something with very clean um, homogeneous data it's quite simple to bolt on something like that for a lot of sellers that are maybe in more complicated categories or that maybe got more legacy software to deal with it gets a bit more challenging to bolt on an external piece of tech for the integrations and that's where that's more our sweet spot so what we tend to do in those situations is we need to look first at what the seller is actually doing what what other technology do they have and where can we fit in now you mentioned adobe we don't actually have an integration with adobe because to be honest it's not really worth building one for us a lot of people moving away from it from my experience um but what we need with an integration is we need somewhere to get some form of product data it in some cases it's just an ean or a SKU and uh, an inventory amount and the rest of it will be created in e-chameleon so then we don't need to get anything else and we generally need somewhere to send order data from a marketplace whether that's an erp or a shop system or a or an order management system so the technical connections that we need are not that many the rest of it is on the marketplace side and again that's where then we already have all of those existing so it's purely just about making that initial connection between the existing systems and, and e-chameleon We've got a very simple API. If the customer, if the seller has their own developer resources in-house, but really we can also work with anything that exports product data and imports order data, even via CSV um, or whatever format they need. So it's, again, it's kind of what does that seller need and how can we fit into that process? Attract, your complete product discovery growth engine. Create relevant shopping experiences that convert into sales and grow online revenue with personalized search, merchandising, and recommendation solutions powered by AI. Find out more at attract.com. The, the data importing and cleansing is always fun. Um, I know we talked about it when we, we first connected, and some businesses still rely on loads of different spreadsheets, um, adding loads of different formats of rules to change and map data, which can be very, very challenging to maintain. One question people have is like, how much effort do they need to put in to get data cleaned and ready for your tool to use versus what automation tools and processes do you bring to the table as standard to transform their base data into marketplace ready stuff? So this depends a lot on the category. It also depends a lot on the, the channels that they want to sell on. Um, some marketplaces do make it easy. They have fewer requirements or they, they change their requirements less frequently. eBay changes their requirements quite a lot, as does Amazon. So I guess the larger marketplace changes that change their requirements a lot. I guess the first thing I would say is that it's not necessarily bad to work with spreadsheets. A lot of sellers will use Google Sheets these days because it's easy to then connect that to other, other systems. One of our products is a PIM solution and... What we try to use there is what we refer to as a single source of truth, where we, we help our sellers to create very granular product data so that, for example, they only have to say, yeah, the t-shirt's dark blue, but if we know that on Otto, it has to be dunkelblau and on on buy it has to be royal blue based on that particular category and subcategory, and we can build automations around that. But again, that's a very different automation for an apparel seller than it would be for someone selling secondhand iPhones. And so that's where we have to adapt the system that we've got specific to the seller. 
moving a chameleon aside, I think any sort of more generic setup, regardless of if you've got a PIM or not, or if you don't, if you are managing in spreadsheets, I think the most important thing is to keep product data really granular. Um, what I mean by that is if you're selling laptops, for example, it's very easy to have a product title like Asus laptop, bunch of random numbers, capacity of RAM, how much RAM, how much um, storage space has it got? What other special features has it got? And most laptop sellers will typically just pack all of that information into a title and then they have to type it all in again in, in a bunch of different places because they've got to fill in a field called how much RAM has it got? They have to fill in a field called how much hard drive space is there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By keeping that data granular and having one one column for the brand, another one for the product type, another one for the RAM, another one for the storage space, the seller can then create a title with, I mean, we have a special functionality for it called a string builder where you can kind of put them together in a specific order, but you can do it with Excel with concatenate, concatenate cells and just pack that information together in a specific uh, structure, so to say. And then you can, if you want to get really smart with Excel, you can combine that with lookup lists to translate it. You can have different structures based on different product types. And it's very easy to then build out other information off the back of this data. But you first need to have very clean and granular data at the beginning that you're working with. Yeah, One of the, the common issues is normalization, where different people have entered data over time and you've got, you know, category trees that vary so you might have somebody who's put men somebody's used men's um different marketplaces can have different needs in terms of the exact requirements how, how do you handle that because do you have standardized mapping um, um for key marketplaces where it's literally okay we understand that a equals b and we'll do that mapping for you um yeah so i guess that's that's something that so you mean specifically with the chameleon how how we handle it with our technology? Yeah, because a, a lot of the time people, I mean, most time merchants I've worked with who need help, their data is in a bit of a mess and they're trying to avoid having to go through manually and sort everything out and look at tools that can help take away some of that heavy lifting from them. Yeah. So that is something that's very different, not just channel for channel, but you know, it's not just Amazon versus eBay versus auto versus on buy it can be amazon uk versus amazon us but it can also be amazon men's clothes amazon uk men's clothes versus amazon uk women's clothes and it can even be as granular as you know completely different rules for men's trousers versus men's t-shirts so we have to be a little bit careful with an automation perspective that we don't just build something for amazon just for ebay so we tend to work more from a seller perspective um, because in the same sense that every marketplace is different, every seller is different. And what If we were to build something that works for Amazon, it probably wouldn't work for 90% of the sellers that would need it. So we look more at what the seller needs than what the marketplace needs, but it's about providing that information and making it available to them in a way that they want it to be received. So one way we can solve that, for example, is as simple as with lookup lists. Um, one thing we also do is uh, I mentioned the single source of truth. We have a functionality that allows a user to predetermine certain values for specific fields. So if they've got a field called gender and they know that 
they've got 20 different people in the team that might add something to that. They've got someone in the warehouse, someone in the marketing team, someone in the product team, someone, uh, if anyone anywhere could potentially type in men's, maybe they write it with a lower or an uppercase M, maybe they forgot to uh, add an apostrophe or they don't. Maybe the multilingual team start adding German text in the wrong area. What we do in eCommunion is we can limit that with dropdowns. So instead of having to type a field, they can simply select one of the predetermined values and then that will be connected to on Amazon Germany. It's not men's, but mena. And, you know, whether it's going to be uh, that, that then kind of makes it easier to keep that data clean by restricting what the input is allowed to be, if that makes sense. Great. And I guess on that topic, um, so marketplace like Amazon have a surprisingly long list of data fields that can be used, um, some of which are essential, some of which are not. How are not? Um, how much are you kind of inputting with the client or kind of like helping the client on that side? And how do you kind of stay on top of that to make sure that you're kind of, yeah, guiding the client, pushing the client towards best practice? So this was... This is kind of the core functionality or the core, the original product, I guess I would say with eChameleon. This was the bit that was missing with the channel management tools that we used to use at the agency, was understanding which fields we have to give in for which marketplaces in which category in which language and how do we have to give them what values are allowed to be in these fields. Um, so what we, the way that we solved that with eChameleon is that we've got a generic logic that works for any marketplace whereby we int we integrate those requirements from the marketplace and then we can show the seller based on this marketplace in this country in this category in this sub 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 category these are the values you're allowed to enter that's kind of the step one and the step two is then automating that and that then depends on the product type again if they if it's a seller that's got 50,000 products across 30 categories there's a lot less that they can or should automate in that case, we then have specific tools that help them work very efficiently. Again, I mentioned we used, you know, we had sellers with millions of SKUs sometimes. So we've got tools in eChameleon that you can very efficiently add categories, attributes, item specifics, et cetera, to hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of SKUs very quickly. And for the sellers that do have more consistent product data, again, sellers like fashion products, well, certain other categories, it is possible then to automate a lot where we can say, okay, based on this Amazon browse tree node, this is going to be the best eBay category. And then based on this Amazon, um, uh, within this Amazon feed product type, here's the values that we're allowed to enter. These are the ones which are required fields. And these are the values for those required fields. Maybe we can automate 90% of it and the seller can quickly then see in eChameleon which bits they have to add on extra in order to get the listing live, which ones are then kind of optional fields, which are recommended, which would then enhance the listing and help the algorithm push the listing. Um, and, and that then quasi, uh, uh, effectively for every channel. Uh, and, and that's sort of the advantage of the chameleon is that it's exactly the same process, whether it's for Amazon, whether it's for eBay, whether it's for Otto, Walmart, Kaufland, Zalando, you name it. Um, they don't have to understand that themselves. There's a mapping in the back end of eChameleon, which either will set up for the sellers, or if they're a little bit more technical, they can set up themselves quite easily. 
which will then help somebody with less marketplace expertise understand that for this channel, this is how I can create the listings. And then it's just a case of going through the dropdowns. And um, I guess as part of that mapping process, um, there'll be values that need to be transformed or kind of optimized, as you say. Um, how does eChameleon uh, kind of support that? And do you have any intention of adding any kind of like AI layers or anything like that? Obviously, something that had to be touched on. Yeah. <laughs> AI is a tricky one in this sense. It's so it's definitely it's definitely on the roadmap. It's definitely something that we're looking into. Um, it's very easy to build an AI tool and plug it in. We're a lot more focused on the quality than AI can currently allow us to deal with. Um, sure, you can get a ninety-five percent accuracy and have 95% of your listings categorized and have some product descriptions created. That's not something that we specifically need to do right now because there's other tools out there that can do that. And there's enough options out there for a, for a seller to get product descriptions created using an AI tool. That 95% isn't enough for us. Our sellers that we work for come to us because they want to make sure that 100% of the listings are live. With marketplaces, the algorithm is very punishing is the word it, it it the algorithms tend to penalize based uh, uh the algorithms penalize a seller disproportionately based on a disproportionately to what is actually happening if that makes sense one bad review will disproportionately affect your overall sales success and one product out of 10,000, which is incorrectly categorized, triggers and kind of a knock-on effect where other products get looked at more closely. Your overall seller account gets looked at more closely. And for us, it's about getting 100% of it right. That makes sense. Um, just one sub-question just for that I think just gives good context for the episode. Like, wh What does your average client look like? Like, How big are they typically? Um, yeah, who who are you currently working with? It's a big range. We have sellers that have 80 products on two channels. And we have sellers that have multiple accounts where they will have multiple brands across multiple categories with thousands to tens of thousands of SKUs, which have different connections per brand or different marketplaces per brand. Um there isn't really a sweet spot for it. I mean, we have products starting from 29 euros a month. So we have a number of sellers that are just very small sellers that are purely using us to, for example, get order information from Zalando into their Shopify store. And they use Shopify as an order management system. It's not ideal for that perhaps, but it's enough that they can get started and, and they can kind of grow it from there. We also have sellers that are you know, 15, 20 million pound a year companies that are connected to multiple marketplaces and have switched to us from other channel management tools because they want to grow it and they're limited from the product data perspective where even though they've got a good tool at the moment that, that gives them an API to connect to marketplaces, they've got too many products that they can't manage the product data side of it to take advantage of that API. So they've switched to us from other tools to be able to do that. Um, Realistically, though, we're not really ham or pigeonholed into any kind of category like that. 
Okay, cool. excellent. Yeah, I just thought that'd be quite useful contact. Talking about the, all the, the data validation and data cleaning stuff, one of the features I really liked was that you have, um, you have to show different product data for you between source data and output data, which shows what's being transformed and changed. Do you want to just talk people through what that is and what, what value that is adding to merchants? Hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about automation. This is this isn't sort of something that eChameleon is special for. It, it's quite easy. Again, whether it's with AI or with Excel, it's very easy to say turn this data into that data. The problem is that with most existing tools, at least most of the tools that, or all of the tools that we worked at worked with at the agency, you would put product data in. There would be some kind of business rule or lookup list or conversion that would then create a listing on, for example, Amazon or eBay. You wouldn't know the output of that rule until you saw the listing on Amazon. So you don't know if you've accidentally put your SKU in the title, like that's wasting random title real estate, or you don't know if there's a random hyphen on the end of your title because the field that was supposed to follow the hyphen was empty and now you've just got a random hyphen on the end of your title, or you're missing a keyword, or maybe you've accidentally put your German content onto your French marketplace. There's a number of reasons why you would want to be able to do this, but one of the key things with eChameleon is you can always see your product data either in the source, in the mapping, or in the output. And the output is effectively the data which has been generated for the specific channel. So you can see what information is being created by eChameleon for Amazon UK versus what the data is that's being created for eBay versus for Zalando and, and so on, even for the Shopify store that's connected. You know, we... We often will connect the shop system to the PIM so that the seller is only creating all product data for all channels, including their own website through this process. They can see, okay, where's if there's an issue on the sales channel, then they can go back and look at where the problem might lie. Is it an issue with my source information? If so, where is that coming from? Have I uploaded it? Have I typed it in manually? Is it coming in from an API from my uh, ERP or from an upload file from one of my manufacturers? If it's not there, is it in the mapping? Is there a problem with how this title, for example, is being created? Nope. Okay, it's not there. What's in my output? Looks good there. Okay, so then there's an issue with how that's being sent from eChameleon to, say, Amazon. But it means that they can check every step of the process to figure out where a problem lies and then solve it very quickly themselves without having to get in touch with seller support or you know reach out to us or you know it's something that people can work with themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, another area that's really important to people is the the speed uh, of identifying issues and fixing them and being able to do that proactively rather than having to, to react to issues. How do you handle this? What sort of dashboard in the reports does eCommunion provide as standard so people can quickly find an example where there is an invalid product title or there is a missing attribute that is required for a specific channel? and being able to look at that in bulk so they know, like, I've got 40 products I've got to fix on Zalando, for example. Um, there's, a few different, there's a few different ways to see that in Ecomelium. The first, I would say, is on the mapping section. So on the mapping, you can very quickly see if there's a validation error somewhere. Now, we call it a validation error because in addition to the marketplace validation, i.e., for this specific category and subcategory, is your title too long? Have you added a value that you weren't supposed to? Are you missing a value somewhere? 
we can see that in the marketplace requirements and compare that with the data that's been created. The seller can also add their own custom validation rules. Um, for example, I don't want my title to include this specific word, or I don't want my um, descriptions to be longer than X characters, whatever it might be. So that is the same functionality. They can kind of enhance it themselves with, with custom validations. The way that we show that is it, it depends again per channel that is then connected because there's obviously the initial validation side. The problem that we often have is that if we take Amazon again as an example, the requirements that we receive from the marketplace are often sometimes not the same as what the marketplace actually wants to receive. What I mean is that Amazon might update their requirements for a particular category, but not update their own systems. So we can create what seems like a perfect listing, but Amazon will still reject it because they haven't updated their own systems to know that there's a new value that's been added. So we also have to give the option that even though eChameleon will give the warning, we, we do allow the seller to override that warning and, and add their own values to make sure that the listings can still go live. Sometimes it's just necessary to be able to override that. Uh, the other reporting, of course, that's necessary is error reporting. So again, that's different per channel. What kind of reports do we get from the marketplace? Some marketplaces just send an email. So we'll try and show that information as best we can. If it's available via API, again, we show it as best we can and then allow the seller to quickly get to the SKUs which are affected by the errors so they can quickly solve those. With other marketplaces, it can be an issue that if there's an error anywhere in the feed, the whole feed is blocked. So you might have one intern that quickly adds an apostrophe to men's when it shouldn't have one, and suddenly all the listings go off live that were fine yesterday. So what we do is we also validate before we send the data to the marketplace. And in those cases, then we'll remove those items from the feed automatically before it goes to the marketplace so that that kind of doesn't happen. Right. And um, I guess I think I'd say James knows a lot more mar about marketplaces than I do. I was actually just saying to him, this is a big gap in my knowledge. And um, one of the areas that he's put down in the notes here is deactivation and the fact that it's a key requirement to be able to remove items around things like add to stock, uh, out of stock, recall. And I guess it'd be good to, from your side just to explain that and why that is the key requirement for my knowledge. Um, but also kind of how you handle that with marketplaces where there's not an API available in that instance. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the the crux of it. There's not always an API for it. And that's that's where it can be tricky to solve sometimes. Um I guess what, what James is probably referring to there is is the fact that it is sometimes necessary to quickly remove an item from a marketplace whether it's because it's, uh, as you said, a recall or because it's out of stock. And even though the, even though it says it's in stock or for any other number of reasons, maybe you suddenly can't ship it to Europe and you need to remove it from all of your European marketplaces. Some marketplaces do provide an API and then it's a very simple toggle in eChameleon, add it or remove it from the feed. Um, with other marketplaces, you maybe have to be a little bit smarter. We'll often do that with simply marking the item out of stock. That's not ideal because some marketplaces do penalize you for being out of stock. So then you really have to think about like, is this the best way to do it? Um, 
but in this situation, it's probably unavoidable. So sometimes we'll have to mark an item as out of stock and that will then remove the listing. Um, how we mark the items out of stock, it can also be a bit flexible. So it could be that there's a field. So often we will receive a field from our sellers. That's for example, active, yes, no, one, zero, et cetera, true, false. And we will build a, we could build a lookup list off the back of that, which then if the stock level is, so for example, I, if the active field is yes, the stock level is the stock level. If the active field is no, the stock level is zero. Could also be um, that for this particular marketplace, it's okay to go out of stock and we want to make sure we've got enough stock for another marketplace. So you might say that the stock level is the stock level minus 10 so that you've got a buffer. Um, there's a number of different ways to skin that cap, but I guess that's the advantage of working with it from a product data perspective rather than treating it as numbers. That makes sense. Um, and then what support do you provide to help customers who aren't as experienced in creating some of these feeds? Um, and I guess like in terms of how you operate, what level of uh, kind of professional services or like guidance or advice are you providing versus just standalone kind of, you know, product slash SaaS style approach. Yeah, I'd, we fall into the SaaS category, but coming from the agency background, it's kind of hard for us to give our customers a tool and let them run with it. We try as much as possible to take a much more hand-holding approach, particularly with sellers that have less or no marketplace experience marketplaces can be a bit dangerous if not done properly. Um, in a lot of cases, you'll see someone set up an Amazon store, try it for themselves for a few weeks, make a bunch of mistakes, realize they've made a bunch of mistakes and they don't know what they're doing. And then that's a much harder account for us to pick up and run with because the algorithm already knows that this seller doesn't know what they're doing, as opposed to a completely fresh account where you have a little bit more opportunity to benefit from that early day letting the early days, letting the algorithm know that you know what you're doing and letting it push you through that. Um, to your question, what we do to help, it really depends on what the seller needs. I mean, we, we come from the account management perspective. We have a lot of uh, account managers in our team who will manage an entire marketplace account. We're not a marketplace agency anymore per se, um, but we still have that expertise and, and, for specific customers, what we do is we will help manage elements of that business to help them help themselves, if that makes sense. The idea of eChameleon is it's something that anyone can use without any marketplace expertise, um, but it does need that setup. It does need to be brought to that point where for that specific seller with their product range, with their categories, with the channels that are interesting to them, that they know where to go in eChameleon to benefit from it, to have that marketplace expertise, which is then built into the tool. How long it takes to get to that point is different per seller, different based on how much expertise they've got in-house, other expertise. You, know, you, you can have someone that's very, very technical but has no idea about marketplaces. You can have someone that has sold on 20 marketplaces but doesn't even know what an API is. Um, so it's different for, for different sellers. But we try as best we can to offer that additional service for the right sellers. But of course, we are first and foremost a software company. 
it's not something that we can offer that we can do for everyone. So in those in a lot of cases, it's just a case of pure customer service. We'll do an initial onboarding anyway to get them to that point. And then it's usually just random questions. Hey, where do I find this button? How do I get a delivery note? How do I print an invoice? And for those situations, we have a, a kind of like a Slack alternative that we use where any of our sellers can sign up and, and they can communicate either with our team directly. Um, and pretty much everyone on our team is active on that. So they can always, someone can always jump in and do a quick screenshot. Hey, you got to press here. Um, and it's also something that our sellers can use to communicate with each other if they want to. And in terms of coverage, because you know, you've already mentioned quite a lot of different um, marketplaces on this. And uh, you know, most people will be selling into one or two of the big ones like an Amazon, maybe an eBay. Uh, more niche ones might be in a, a focus here on Etsy. Can you just talk us through, if we take like Europe and then North America, what are some of the the um, less common uh, marketplaces you guys already work with, uh, have have done data feeds and integrations with? Um, you know, I'm talking about the likes of like a Zalando, which isn't as commonly used. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the easiest way is to say most of them. Our... Um, well, maybe pick out um, we, we build, pick out some of the more popular ones that people are really demanding, and you'll see more more traction with. Yeah, so I mean, specifically here in here in Germany, we're seeing a lot of requests for Otto, Zalando, Kaufland. Particularly, is growing. Kaufland's kind of the German version of Tesco. Household name, brick and mortar stores all over the place. Recently, became a marketplace um, by acquiring one of their competitors. Um. Otto is a very is more like a, and there isn't really a good UK equivalent. I guess maybe like a House of Fraser, um, kind of slightly higher end that is less so these days. Started out as a catalog business and is now a marketplace. There's a few other hurdles with Otto in that you need to have a German business entity and and warehouse and customer service, which is a, obviously hurdles for smaller UK companies. We work with most major, most marketplaces. Um, one of our, from the technical perspective, we built eChameleon specifically to be able to add new marketplaces quickly because most channel management tools were originally built for Amazon or for eBay. So when they want to add Allegro or Otto or Zalando, they have to go back to a much earlier stage and rebuild a lot more things to be able to add a new channel than we would have to. Quite often we add new channels in, in a few hours uh, miracle marketplaces for example we can connect in a few hours and that's why i said it's it's tough to kind of answer which ones specifically because we can offer all of them there's with miracle in particular uh there's a lot of new marketplaces being built on that technology where i've never heard of it but we'll get something for example airbus has a marketplace um and i'm like okay how what like who's going to be selling what do they sell do they sell like Aeroplanes, they sell parts. I still haven't figured out the answer to that question. We've got one seller that wants to sell on the Airbus marketplace, and it's you know a couple of hours of work for us to connect that for him. It's a lot easier to be able to do that, and it means we don't have to charge him for you know a, a five week development project. Which for this small seller that wants to add on a slightly niche marketplace, even for him, would be prohibitive. But now he can try out that marketplace, and and for us, it's I mean we're a small team. We're only ten people at the moment. So we do have to be a little bit careful of our dev resources, but 
what our team can build in terms of marketplace integrations, I'm, I'm very proud of. They do a really, really good job of building solid, stable marketplace integrations in a very short time to the point that we actually also make those integrations available white label to some of our competitors who are able to then connect to more marketplaces than they would otherwise be able to do so. Um, out of interest, so I've definitely seen that trend, particularly with Miracle, um, where brands are looking to essentially further monetize traffic. And um, yeah, I spoke to like TV shopping channels, things like that. And like you say, some really niche businesses that maybe you wouldn't expect. Um, one thing that I found is when people have tried to create a business case in the past, Miracle is quite high cost. Um, are you seeing any other players? So Convictional is one we had on the uh, podcast in the past that I was really impressed with, and I think they are a bit more modular. Um, are you seeing any other kind of major players, or is it mostly Miracle you're seeing? Uh, Placer is a big one that I am seeing moving. They're from Australia originally. They, I, I think they single-handedly made eBay redundant in Australia. Um, it went from being like only eBay to now there's like 40 main relevant marketplaces in Australia. Um, seems like every every category has a solid marketplace player. Um, and now they're entering Europe. They've got uh, they've also got some a team in North America. They've got a big Swedish marketplace coming soon. They've got a big UK marketplace, a couple of German ones coming. So they're they're definitely one to watch. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting area. I don't know if you say H and some of the stuff around H and M's marketplaces, um, but across their business, there's like loads of uh focus on it so they've got their own marketplace and then they're also selling other brands on a lot of the brand sites now but i think it'll be a trend that we see a lot more over the next year or two um on the order management side so some marketplaces and again james has had some notes here, um but some marketplaces have uh, kind of more specific order management requirements for example zalando um so can you talk us through um, what happens when an order is placed with Zalando in particular and how this kind of interacts with the e-com platform and then also what your typical customer is doing from an order management perspective generally? Yeah, marketplaces get messy with order management. Um, it, this begins with the really simple stuff like what a marketplace calls express delivery, you might need it to be called express international. This isn't an order coming from your own website anymore or even an existing B2B customer. It's it's a completely new external channel. Every potential field of information related to that order is probably going to come in a different way than you're used to. Um, EMAG in Romania, we've seen addressed line one fields with 500 characters, which just breaks some ERP systems. You know, maybe they only allow 20 characters, sorry, 200 characters. And so we have to break it down into three lines for it to be accepted. There's other requirements such as, so I mentioned some marketplaces actually operate what I would consider to be more of a dropshipping model. They call it a marketplace, but there are marketplaces where the marketplace or the, the website, whatever you want to call it, is actually the seller of record, which means that the marketplace seller has to do everything kind of on behalf of the marketplace. They have to print out a specific delivery note, a specific invoice that has the marketplace logo and business information and, and bank information and, and all the company information from this marketplace as if they were nothing more than a fulfillment provider. 
And so they have to print that out, stick it in the box. It can't be an Amazon Prime box, for example. You know, you can, for certain channels, you can't use your, your FBA. That then is what has to re reach the consumer. Um, some marketplaces at the point of sale, you have to generate a return tracking code. Now, most order management systems these days that have anything to do with marketplaces can typically handle that. But for a seller that's using, for example, Shopify as an order management system, it can be trickier to do that. So then you might need another plugin that can generate a return tracking code that we would then need to be able to access to pass on to the marketplace. Um, so there's a lot of minor, what, what seem like minor issues, but every single marketplace will handle these is issues differently. They'll all have minor requests, minor changes that need to be made to the process. And these add up. And, and so what we do at eChameleon is we try and solve that part of the puzzle. We're not an order management system, but we collect the order information. We make it possible for the marketplace specific issues to be solved, like creating a delivery note or an invoice for Zalando, um, and then passing that onto an email address that's connected to a printer that can then print that out and stick it in the box, for example, at the 3PL or at the warehouse location. Um, we then take that order information and we'll pass it into the seller's system so that they can then do the order management process. But again, it's like, does that seller need a specific tag that differentiates? Because some sellers will want marketplace channels to be connected differently than their own website channels. Some sellers want it to be broken down by Zalando and Kaufland and eBay and Amazon. And so we need to attach different tags or different information to that order before we pass it on. Sometimes the seller, the, the buyer on Amazon adds a, uh, has a typo. And so the seller needs to be able to quickly log into eChameleon to fix something before it's passed on to their system. There can be a number of different issues that come up uh, in that process. But our goal there is to really try and solve the marketplace specific side of it so that the seller can just kind of carry on with their existing processes. There's already a lot of functionality in, in the platform and everyone has a roadmap. So where are you headed? Like, what are you focused on? What what are other merchants demanding of you and what are you planning to release, I guess, 2023, 2024? So from, there's a few, there's a few different areas. Um, and one major thing for us is simply building out more marketplace integrations. We've got what I believe to be a very solid, stable solution now for selling on multiple marketplaces where we still lose compared to some of our competitors that have been on the market for 20 years is that we don't have as many marketplace integrations as they do. So we're playing catch up there, but as I mentioned, we're able to add new marketplaces quite quickly. So that for us is a, a big focus point, just repeating what we've got for whichever new channels come in uh, that are either interesting for our customers or, or where we think if we add this connection, it will attract new customers. So that's a big one for us. Um, another one, obviously you mentioned Paul AI. We're definitely looking into that. Again, I'm. It's a very it's a very quickly developing space, and I want to make sure that we don't get lost in the noise of becoming some content generation tool that is just the same as all the others. We put a huge amount of value on the quality being specifically for marketplaces here. Uh, it's very easy to tell ChatGPT or something that's using the OpenAI API to create an Amazon title that's 500 characters uh, or 
uh, description. It's 500 characters, but we want to make sure that it fits in more with what we're doing, which is quality content for and, and accurate content for marketplaces that actually helps the seller grow organically. Um, so it's an area that we're exploring, but can't really say yet exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, other than that, we're looking at, we'll be hopefully building out the team in the next year or so to complement what we've got, be able to look after more accounts as we, as we slowly grow. But we're, you know, we're only three years old as a company. Um, even though our, our expertise comes from the agency, which was founded back in 2007, eChameleon's only been on the market for coming up four years. Um, and it's growing what we've got. We've gone through all the typical growth, growing pains that you'd expect from a company that was founded a week before the COVID, um, we kicked off our go-to-market strategy a week before COVID hit. And with everything else going on, you know, it's, it's been a bit of an uphill battle, but we're seeing a number of different options now for us to, to grow. And it's just making sure that we're grabbing as many of those as we can without losing focus. Cool. I really enjoyed this. I mean, marketplace commerce is, is on everyone's minds at the moment. People are exploring. Do they expand more into third parties? Do they launch their own marketplaces? What technologies should they use? So I, th I think topics around this are really important for people. So thanks for coming on, Jesse, and taking the time to share a bit more about eChameleon and some advice on, on uh, selling on marketplaces. Um, we hope uh, everyone listening has enjoyed it. Keep your ears open for our next episode. We drop them every Tuesday. And don't forget to give us that rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you might be listening or watching. Thanks very much. Until next time. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.